When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Here's everything you might have missed in Vox Machina Season 2, Episodes 1 through 3. Welcome back to Nerdist News. I'm Hector Navarro, and today I want to tell you a legend. The legend of Vox Machina, that is! The animated series from Critical Role and animated by Titmouse premiered the first three episodes of its second season today, and already the adventuring party has gotten in way over their heads. This season will cover a fan-favorite arc of Critical Role's first campaign, starting with episode 39 of season 1 that, as Nerdist's own Dan Casey said, puts the and dragons in Dungeons and Dragons. These first three episodes are filled with all the action, violence, and humor that Critical Role and Vox Machina fans have loved since the beginning. So we're going to break down all the things you might have missed in this batch of episodes, including that gasp-inducing ending to episode three. And you know we're going to get into what that could mean for the future of this season. But before we roll a perception check into these episodes, we're going to be heading into extreme spoiler territory for the first three episodes of Season 2 of The Legend of Vox Machina. Here's our spoiler warning, so buckle up before things get hairy. <laughs> Let's start with the first episode, Rise of the Chroma Conclave. And boy, oh boy, do they rise. Season 2 picks up pretty much right at the end of Season 1 because Sovereign Uriel Taldori barely got to finish his abdication speech before, silhouetted by the sun, four dragons fly in and begin laying waste to Iman. This is the Chroma Conclave, and they're going to be the big bads of this season. But what is so dangerous about these dragons? Besides them aciding, icing, poisoning and burning Iman to cinders, including, we're pretty sure, our first Matt Mercer cameo of the season. Well, let's take a moment, shall we? We're gonna break it down for you, okay? First and foremost, they're f***ing dragons. They're obviously very dangerous creatures, but they're normally solitary and untrusting of other dragons. So four dragons working together is a huge deal. Who exactly is in the Chroma Conclave's roster? They're led by Thordak, an ancient red dragon voiced by Lance Reddick, who calls himself the Cinder King. We've also got Umbrasil, the Hope Devourer, a black dragon whose acid melts many townspeople in Iman, even tagging Percy with some acid in the first episode. Umbrasil is also voiced by Matt Mercer. Vorigal, the Frigid Doom, is next. This white dragon's ice not only freezes victims, but explodes them inside the ice. 
And finally, Raishan, the deceased deceiver, the green dragon, managed to kill Sovereign Uriel right off the bat with her poison. And while this season's story might stray from the campaign it's based on, we can expect her to play a very interesting role later on. One might say that it will be a critical role. Is that your best? As we see in the episode, Vox Machina is way overmatched, and while they did already defeat the fifth member of the Conclave, the Blue Dragon Brimscythe, as they point out, these dragons are larger, more ancient, and more powerful. They even managed to split the party right away, and we all know that never ends well. Like he mentioned to Dan Casey, Matt Mercer's been a fan of dragons since he was a kid, so make sure to check out our interviews with the Critical Role cast and learn what they're looking forward to in this season. <laughs> now back to the horror. Also, keep this mysterious woman that Vax keeps on seeing in the back of your mind. We're going to get to her shortly in this video. She'll be important as the season goes on. Adore manages to help them for once in their escape, and the team manages to link up with Gilmore and raid the remains of his shop for some items. Grog gets a mysterious belt, and Scanlan gets a... a broom. Could this be Death from Above from the Critical Role campaign? Maybe. Gilmore then transports the team to Grayskull Keep, where they try to regroup after another brutal attack by Vorigal. They escape to Whitestone, where they feel disheartened and useless until they see how their actions have changed Whitestone for the better. Grog quickly chats with a little green-eyed girl, who may actually be Raishan in disguise. You can't trust green-eyed people, alright? I'm telling you. If you're green-eyed, comment below. Tell me why I should trust you. Uh... Okay. But they're going to need help, so Keyleth uses her powers to bring Vox Machina to Vasselheim, the oldest and strongest city in the world, to gain some new allies. And of course, we get a classic troll dick reference. Last one in is a troll dick! Hmm. Which brings us to episode two, The Trials of Vasselheim. Portal traveling isn't an exact science, as Vox Machina learns. Luckily, Scanlan's butt stuff saves them. By the way, we have to point out that series composer Neil Acree posted the sheet music for this iconic moment, and yes, they sent butt stuff to a real orchestra. Well done, Neil. After Matt Mercer lets them into the city, we're introduced to a classic critter greeting. Now good day. Um, did he say bidet? But allies are not forthcoming. Vasselheim is run by a council of the Dawn Marshals of all the major religious orders, including the Stormlord, the Wild Mother, and the Lawbearer. It's stuffy, apparently. We also see what appears to be a cameo of a beloved character from Critical Role's second campaign, worshipping the Wild Mother, Caduceus Clay, played by Taliesin Jaffe. VM is then told, that's Vox Machina, is then told that Vasselheim's strength is in its isolation, so they are SOL on the help part. Here the party splits again, with the majority going to the Slayer's Take to gain some dragon-slaying help from the monster hunters and their mysterious patron. Check out their sick monster hunting trophies on the wall. We think we see a werewolf, a cyclops, and possibly a griffin, but let us know in the comments what you spotted. Both Zara and Kasha, or Cash for short, are voiced by the guest actors who played them in Critical Role, Mary Elizabeth McGlynn and Will Friedle. Vex tries to smooth things over with her old friend Zara, but she's not having it and a fight almost breaks out. Check out some of these other denizens of the Slayer's take and you'll recognize Monica and Garrison from Battle Chasers, a comic book turned video game that came out in 2017. One more tumble and a cameo of Vax's flame tongue blade, then they come face to face with the patron of the Slayer's Take, the Sphinx Osissa. 
Osissa forces them to come to terms with hard truths about themselves before pointing them in the right direction to begin their dragon hunting. I know I can be kind of annoying. No one cares about you. Ooh, I love that line. Ooh, that was a good line. They need to find the vestiges of divergence, powerful artifacts tied to the gods themselves. And the first one isn't too far away. The Deathwalker's Ward, the armor formerly worn by Pervin Sol, the matron of Raven's champion. <laughs> Pervon? Last name Pedo Bear, maybe? <laughs> Remember when we said the person Vax has been seeing would be important later? This has got to be the matron of Ravens, the goddess of death herself. Meanwhile, Grog has his own, is this a butterfly moment, before he learns some important lessons in where his strength comes from and how to be a warrior from Earthbreaker Groon. Groon is a monk who is the leader of the Temple of the Stormlord in Vasselheim. And he's a badass. Grog's favorite axe was destroyed, so he's now using Craven Edge, the sword he took off of Silas Briarwood. Finders keepers. But Groon doesn't like the look or sound of this definitely bad new sword, which just so happens to be voiced by Matt Mercer. The party reunites with a plan to get a drink. Percy goes to replenish his black powder from another Matt Mercer cameo, Victor. Matt even cosplayed as Victor in episode 79 of Campaign 1 in a pre-Halloween episode. What is pre-Halloween? Isn't that just every month before? Okay, whatever. But Percy is the second person that has recently purchased black powder from Victor, the first being Ripley. That's right, the former Briarwood ally is back, and we're wondering what she has planned for Percy. Theirs is a complicated relationship, what with her torturing Percy and all. Which brings us to episode three, The Sunken Tomb. Pike has a vision from the Everlight that shows that the Chroma Conclave is preparing to spread its control across Tal'Dorei. Vax has found Maraglade Lock, but no trace of the tomb they're looking for. After Scanlan has a skating mishap, just once again reminding us about his foot fetish, Vox Machina realizes they have been followed by Zara and Cash from the Slayer's Take. And if it seems a little too convenient that they're being so helpful, you'd be right. <laughs> we finally learn what the cool belt that Grog got off of Gilmore in the first episode does. It's the Belt of Dwarven Kind, and it does this. This is actually noteworthy because normally Goliaths can't grow facial hair, hence why Grog is so stoked. <gasps> I got a beard! But it is a pretty glorious beard, we have to admit. Pretty good, I'm jealous. Through this episode, we get more backstory to the bond between Vexalia and Vaxildan as they fled from their father, Sildor, played by Troy Baker, and learned to take care of each other. This will definitely come into play later, along with the line, do not go far from me. But keep it together, folks, don't cry yet. Back to the main plot. Turns out the tomb is beneath the lake, and so Keyleth makes them a path with the help of Zara. Grog is only stumped by the door for a short moment before they're in the tomb. Uh, Beardy, this one's a pole. Nice one, Grog. The tomb is definitely creepy, as befits the goddess of death, and of course is full of traps. Grog only sets off a few, but of course the party manages to get separated. It's like that's their second job. They fight some fish people and a fish person mage, and Pike notices just how much Craven Edge has been affecting Grog's demeanor when he's filleting said fish people. Zara and Cash have ditched the group using a spell to find Pervin's tomb for themselves, those sexy double-crossers. But they're on the wrong path, because as we'll soon find, Vox Machina finds the correct sarcophagus. Vax descends a pit, where he discovers a painting of a second sphinx. But hold that thought, because Percy and Vex find Pervin's actual sarcophagus, and they open it without a problem. And they get the Deathwalker's ward, and everyone is happy, and they're off to find the next vestige. Wrong, because this episode ends with one of the most shocking moments from Critical Role's first campaign. 
In episode 44, when confronted with this same trap, Laura Bailey, who plays Vexalia, rolled a crit fail on her save. Basically, the worst thing that could happen. She received 56 points of necrotic damage, which insta-killed Vex. And the show follows suit with this moment, with the bolt of energy killing Vex and leaving us with the image of her brother Vax holding her body. That's right, she's dead for real. However, considering they're in the tomb of the champion of the goddess of death, the same Raven Queen who Vax has been seeing this whole season, and you know some stuff is going to go down with episodes 4 through 6 that come out next Friday, and we can't wait. But in the meantime, what did you folks think? Were you shocked by Vex's death? Did we miss any big Easter eggs? Let us know in the comments below, and we hope you have a good day. <laughs> I think you mean good day. Yeah, what he said. Thanks for watching, and for the latest and greatest in the world of pop culture, stay tuned to Nerdist.com.